The future belongs to those who see the possibilities before they become obvious. Welcome to Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Fireside Chats Without the Fires, July 10th, 2020. If I thought June was good, where do we get to July? And we got to the first week of July and it just gets better and better and better. And that is no offense to all the wonderful guests we've had, but today we're gonna to top this thing out. July 10th is gonna be the day with one of the most sensational guests that we have had to date breaking records. Jeff Toyster, give us a shout out, are you with us? I'm, I'm with you. Well, that's that's a lot of hype already. And next week you'd be like, the best guest we've ever had <laughs> to be named. <laughs> Just Thank better. you for that, Neil, I appreciate it. Welcome, we're, we're so happy to hear you. Paul, you're with us, right? Jeff, as a ghost, as a ghost, as a guest, this is- uh, As a ghost. Gonna be off, as a ghost, this is gonna be off the shot. <laughs> Is there, no pressure, is there an element no of this pressure. podcast I'm not familiar with? Jeff the ghost is joining us from the afterlife. Okay. Yeah. Jeff is definitely not a ghost because if you talk about, so we're obviously going to get into customer care and CX and everything, context call center and BPO and customer care. He's not a ghost. He's one of the most present people I believe that is out there in terms of content generation, thought leadership, and just really cool, great ideas. I'm going to do the best I can to summarize uh, Jeff's bio. By the way, I cleared this with Jeff. I When I think of Jeff, I think of him as Toyster because of his Twitter handle, at Toyster, I believe is what it is. I just, I may interchange. You may hear me call you Jeff. You may hear me call me, call you Toyster. I've been given green light to do so. Uh, please, audience, don't think that I'm being irreverent. I'm only being slightly irreverent, but I have a little bit of green light to, to go ahead and do it. Jeff, I'm going to try to summarize this thing up. And I, I'm going to be honest. If I look, how would I start? I would I look, go to your LinkedIn, right? And you've got a great little caption under your name, customer service. And there's this like uh, horizontal arrow that says author, consultant, and trainer. And then you go down to the next you know, row of experience. You're the president of Toyster Performance Solutions, Inc. You're based out of San Diego, but you've done an incredible array of things. You are author and instructor on what I believe was LinkedIn is now LinkedIn learning, correct? That's correct. Yeah, it's LinkedIn learning now. And then you've had some really cool stuff that you've done in training. You're the director of training and development for Ace Parking. We're going to get into that shortly. But in addition to that, that I don't really see on your LinkedIn profile that I know, and I think many other people know, you're a keynote speaker. You're a very well-recognized uh, thought leader. You, By the way, you were just recently listed as the number one, the number one on procedure flows, top 30 customer service uh, influencers for, I think, the second or 40th time in a row. But Number one on that list, author of no fewer than three books, I believe. I learned some stuff about myself just now, so I appreciate that. And I will say that I, I'm really honored by the, uh, the inclusion, <clears throat> excuse me, on Procedure Foe's list. And, and number one, you get excited and you say, wow. And then they're very quick to point out in no particular order. So I'm it's still so going fun. to say number one, but I know it's no particular order. There's some great people on that list. There are. I'm going to be full disclosure. I actually made that list and I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm proud. I was somehow number 12 on it. Uh, I'm not sure how I snuck in that back door, but that's I, the I, best I, spot right there. Number 12 is secretly the number one, something like that, but uh, I'll, I'll take it. I love being part of that. And it is an honor to be um, together with some really sensational people. For those of us that have not seen your LinkedIn page, some of us that may follow you here and there on Twitter, see you on uh, the the event circuit as a keynote or a panelist or something. Give give the audience like a just a little bit of additional flavor about who Jeff Toyster is. I'm I'm obsessed with 
getting employees obsessed with customer service and customer experience. I, th- I think there's there's a lot of emphasis in a lot of different areas, whether it's technology, whether it's strategy. What really fascinates me is how do you get an individual employee to perform their best? And then how do you put that person in a team and get everybody on that team to perform their best and consistently? And then how do you put a team into a group of teams and call it a company and get that entire company to consistently deliver their best? That is one of the biggest challenges, a challenge I don't know that we talk enough about and one that absolutely fascinates me. And so that's that's where I spend my time. I spend my time talking to people who are doing the work every day. I spend my time looking for new insights and hopefully finding new solutions to that really persnickety problem. So we're talking about, uh, for the title of this session, would be really just a copy-paste of what you've written extensively about and spoken extensively about, customer service vision. Tell us a little bit about customer service vision and how that fits into the intro that you just talked about, about your passions and, and what drives you, the obsession of the obsession. Absolutely. Uh, if, if you want to be great at something, we must first define greatness. So if I want to be great at customer service, whether it's an individual, a team, an entire organization, the very first step is, okay, what does great look like? And you know, I wrote a book a number of years ago that mapped out exactly how to get there. And I did a lot of research into customer-focused companies. And I found that all of them had done this fundamental step. They defined great through what's called a customer service vision. Now, since publishing that book a few years ago, I, I realized it needs to be a little broader than that. And so today, I, I, I more often than not, I call it a customer experience vision, which is broader than just service. We're looking at the entire experience, but it really means the same thing. What is a great experience for the customer? And until you've defined that, it's hard to deliver that, and it's hard to deliver that consistently. I love that. When I first saw you speak uh, at an ICMI event, God knows how many years at this point, uh, I remember you consistently referred back to the word definition. For you, definition was everything. I thought, man, really? Like, Come on, we don't. What do we need to define stuff for? Everybody knows, don't they? Don't they? Well, it's a fun. It's a fun exercise, and I invite anybody listening to try this. Pick a topic: customer service, customer experience, employee engagement, leadership, and wander around your company. I guess we have to do this digitally today. Talk to individuals and ask them to define those terms. What is employee engagement? What does a great customer experience look like? And and for all of these terms, you will likely find two things. One, you'll probably get a lot of great sounding answers. But two, those answers will all be different. And that's the part that helps you realize we're in trouble here. So as an example, years ago, when I was first starting my consulting career, I was hired by a credit union to help them assess their culture. They had just rolled out these five core values And there were two parts to the assignment. One, did people know the values? And two, did they understand them to use them to guide their work? And part one was great. It was phenomenal. 95% the people in this company could list, give them a blank piece of paper. They could list the five core values. Great. Ask them what they meant. Universal disagreement. Because what happened was the executive team came up with these five values that were essentially nonsense values. They just sounded good. They looked good on paper. But even the CEO, the CFO, the chief marketing officer, even those people at that level did not agree what those values actually meant. 
and what types of behaviors should be linked to those values. So it was great they had values, but they had absolutely no meaning in terms of people's daily work. Paul, I want to ask you a question. So you're, you as a practitioner, as a leader of men, have you found the same thing that maybe in your own company and in the teams that you lead, difference in what that definition is? A hundred percent. And I was, I don't know, obviously we don't post the video, but I was nodding in a hundred percent agreeing with what Jeff was saying there. We went through probably about four or five years ago, actually, we went through a whole look at terms of what our values were and what our core values were. And then we went through the exercise of sharing this across the company. Now, slightly differently from, from, from an ultra perspective, because we had internal staff and then we had external staff, you know, our, our, our clients, our vendors out there, whether that was in the DR or the Philippines at the time or, or Mexico. So it was a slightly different exercise it went through in terms of informing or letting our internal staff know what our core values were and then letting our external customers know. So yeah, it was um, it was a challenge, but 100% agree with what Jeff's saying there. The, def- the, the core values everybody knew, but the definitions were different widely across the board. Jeff, have you found that with the different groups that you work with, that you speak with, a difference between the, the before and after? So the before meaning similar to what Paul said, similarly, similar to what I found in my own organization. Probably we have, for every person you ask, you're going to get a different, different definition. But then once you work with a group, work to achieve and, and create a common definition, what happens after that? What's next? What can be expected? What do you, what, what's on the other side of this for organizations to look forward to? Now, do you mean most of the time or do you mean the the elite companies that get it right? This is two different let's answers. About, let's, well, let's talk about both. Let's first start with okay. the easier one, which is, which is the yeah. most of the time, most of us. Absolutely. My guess is you're going to probably, on the other side, you'll reference maybe a, uh, a Zappos, talk, maybe talk about Amazon, the ones that we know I won't, are but sensational. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, that's even better. But you know, the usual suspects are the ones that are known for being yep. incredible. But by the way, they're the ones that have, I think, generally have the deepest pockets and the biggest ones, maybe. But we'll sure. get there. But let's talk about the the bulk of us, the majority of us that struggle with these things day to day. I want to give you a quick aside about Zappos, and and I, I, I no real disrespect intended for Zappos. They're incredible at creating this reputation. I have a fun little game. We won't do it today, but but I encourage anyone listening: ask someone you know about their experience with Zappos, and see what you get, because Zappos has this amazing reputation. And it's probably well-deserved. My experience with Zappos is I went online, I found some shoes I liked, I ordered them, and they arrived. Wow! And I think for a lot of people, that's exactly what their experience is. So it's, it's just funny to me. We hold this company up as this amazing, amazing company, even though personally we haven't had that amazing, amazing experience. So anyways, just an aside, it's kind of fun to kind of challenge these assumptions. But hold on one second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just let's just go there for one second. Sure, sure. You got to come back on this, and we're going to okay. create a topic on wow or delight. Okay. Versus satisfaction. Okay, we'll have fun. We'll have fun with that. I love this topic because wow is like the rare thing. You can't wow everybody every single time, but you can deliver and satisfy. But that anyway, we are going to get there. I we'll get there. Topic. Yeah. Tangent alert. Okay. Yes. Tangent <laughs> alert. The question I think I, I so just to, to restate it again is what happens for the bulk of us, the, the companies that struggle with definition that, that, that we're all over the place. What happens when most of us try to make an attempt to actually define these things? Here's, here's the, the biggest difference. And, and there's a lot of pitfalls along the way, but one of the biggest ones is that 
The companies that are unsuccessful with cultural initiatives, where they create a set of values or a customer experience vision, and it doesn't go anywhere, is they treat it as a side project. They have a separate committee. They do the project. They announce it. There's a big fanfare. And then project complete, we move on to other things. We're working on culture this year. Next year, we're working on engagement. The year after that, customer experience. Not realizing all of those things are absolutely intertwined. The elite organizations, the top few that absolutely get it right, the ones like the Amazons of the world that have a well-earned reputation for a consistent customer experience, they obsess about it every day. So the customer experience vision, for example, that isn't the end of the project. That is the beginning. And, and what I've discovered in, in my own work as a consultant, but then also researching customer-focused companies, is they use that as a compass to consistently point the company in the right direction, to consistently point teams in the right direction, to consistently point individuals in the right direction. So everybody is pointing towards that vision day in and day out. That is a big ask, but that is the difference between the many and the few. And what happens if a company is reasonably or very successful at doing that? What can they point to? If you think like I do, I'm thinking, listen to this podcast, and I'm thinking, Toyster says, if I do this, I'm going to get, fill in the blank, what am I going to get? What is my organization going to get? Yeah, we, we will define stuff. So what? what? What is it that we can point to that says, we improved here, we made more money there? How does that vision get sold to the powers that be in the organization? What can they look forward to out of this? The funny thing is I've stopped worrying about that. If I'm talking to a senior leader who does not understand or appreciate the value of customer experience on their business, I won't try to convince them otherwise I have better things to do. I know that's a tough message for anyone internally. So internally, I think what you really need to focus on is connecting customer experience to the bottom line, which is how many customers do we retain versus how many are we losing? And if we're retaining more customers than we're losing, it's a lot easier to grow. And we probably have better margins on top of that. So that's what I would look at in terms of the customer experience. Most companies struggle to truly define the impact of customer experience on the bottom line. And that's where the, the gap in, in understanding happens. I love this stuff. I tried to pigeonhole you and you you didn't let yourself be pigeonholed, and I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I tried to get you to come number to a, a lesson, a, a, a benefit, and you didn't do that. And I, and I, I admire that. I do. I, I think it's that's not the point. That's, that's not the point. The point is, I think maybe I like the focus on retention. And if you retain, that will go right to the bottom line. You're absolutely, absolutely. right on that. I feel that we could take this in about 45 different directions and hours going and going and going on this. Let's change gears just a little bit. You shared with us, Jeff a really cool CX quote. And I, I don't know if you have it in front of you, if you have it off the top of your head. Would you mind sharing that CX quote with us that's important for you, for our listeners to know? What is it that you keep top of mind that kind of makes your CX mind think? So to understand the quote, I want to back up for just a moment in that a lot of what I look for, I think is counterintuitive or counter to common practice. So one of my favorite quotes is, the customer is always right. And if you've ever bothered to talk to an employee, that drives employees crazy because there is this attitude in service that the customer is always right. But anybody who's ever served a customer knows that customers are often wrong. And what I love about the quote is the irony behind it. I wanted to find out who 
actually said this. I was really mad at this person. I wanted to send them a box of glitter. I wanted to shame them on social media and really take them down a peg. And what I discovered is that no one said it. The quote has been changed and I think perverted a little bit over time. Now, there's no a universal agreement on who said it, but there's a few sources. Cesar Ritz from the, the Ritz Carlton. Uh, the quote from him is, the customer is never wrong. What was the context? He meant, of course, customers are wrong, but you don't argue with them. You help them become right. Marshall Fields, the uh, uh, retailer, he was quoted as saying, right or wrong, the customer is always right. Again, meaning customers, of course, are wrong. It's not our duty to argue with them, to put them in their place. It's our duty to understand their needs and help them become right. And that's the true meaning and origin of the quote. And so if we stick with this, the customer is always right, the customer is king, I think that's a ridiculous philosophy. And it drives our employees crazy. We can help our customers become right is more of a phrase or a slogan that employees can embrace. I love it. I think you just really combined what was going to be the next question and next section of this, which is the myth buster. You just busted the myth that the customer is always right. We don't make the customer feel like they are wrong. Different, different way to look at things. Paul, what's next on this list? I think we go to CX Heroes, don't we? Yeah, let's do CX Heroes. This, I'm, I'm really excited to hear. Go for it, Jeff. Yeah. So it's interesting when we talk about customer experience, I think we look for people today that have the word, the words customer experience in their title. And I, I would submit to you that most people that are doing the real work of customer experience don't have those words in their title. And so I'll give you a few heroes. These are people who I have learned a lot from and have demonstrated just true caring for me and in my career. And, and I know this sounds really self-serving, but my number one top of my list by a long shot is my wife, Sally. And not just because of the usual spousal relationship, but my wife, Sally, I've learned so much from in my career. She is a process improvement expert. She has spent years and years in the service industries Lean, Six Sigma, Kaizen, combining all of these different tools. And it's always about helping employees deliver a better result for the customer and do it more consistently and more predictably. I have learned so much from her. It's amazing. And of course, she's been a huge support to me in my entire career. The list could go on and on, but I'll give you just two others. Denise Leon, who is a, she is known as a brand leadership expert. Uh, she often writes things that make me angry and only because I, I didn't think of it first. They're so well done in terms of the idea that a company's brand is not just a slogan created by marketing, but it's how you actually execute for your customers that defines your brand, how your culture drives the way your company operates. And again, she's personally just been an outstanding mentor to me. And then the last one on, on, on the list, but certainly um, the list could go much, much farther. Uh, I'll point to Shep Hyken, who is a world-renowned customer service and customer experience keynote speaker. And he has really shared a lot with me. And I'll tell you, right before the pandemic hit, I was having a conversation with him. And he said, Jeff, this for our business is going to be worse than 9-11. And this was at a time in late February where in the United States, we were not taking this seriously enough. And when Shep said that to me, I knew I had better start preparing. And so he's been an absolutely incredible mentor to me. And, and of course, somebody that you, you'd look up to as an icon in our industry. So those are three, I could name 20, 30, 100, but those are three that I really admire and, and have looked out for me over time. That's great to hear. Personal life has also played an important role in your professional life. That's that's unique to hear that not everyone is bold enough to share that. And uh, and certainly Shep, 
Shep is a name for many of us. He's the one that's typically on these lists of thought leaders and prestigious, prestigious thinkers and, and authors and keynotes and things like that. But few of us actually know him. We know his business persona. We know what he puts out there in content. But it's great to hear someone actually has a personal relationship with him and is, uh, allows us to have a different glimpse on, on, on the role that he's played in your, in your own development. That's really nice to hear. I want to end this with a surprise. Please lead us in a very shameless plug for your books. What is the title of your latest book and how does one obtain that? I, I think that the book that is probably relevant to what we've been talking about today is the Service Culture Handbook. And it literally is a step-by-step guide through creating a service culture in your organization where employees are obsessed with customers. It starts with creating that customer service vision, but it walks you step-by-step through the entire process of truly becoming a customer-focused company. And it's based upon real work and real case studies and not theory. Um, it's widely available. So pretty much anywhere you get books, if it's Amazon, that's fantastic. If it's your local bookstore, independent bookstore, that's great. It's available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. If you're not quite sure where to track it down, just go to serviceculturebook.com and you'll find it in there. And every single book of mine, including this one, you will also find my email and my personal phone number. One of the things I invite every customer of mine to do is to contact me directly. And I'm very happy to support them and walk them through this process. I don't know how we would possibly wrap this up in you know 30 words or less. I would just say, Jeff, you're a sensational guest. You are now on the record that you're going to come back. We're going to talk about other stuff. We're going to get into more of your content, your theories. We're going to debate wow versus or delight versus satisfaction and hopefully some other things. Please, please come back to us. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. I'm honored. Uh, Paul, I don't think, I don't know how else we can wrap this one up other than to say a huge thank you to Jeff. 100%. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. Neil, Paul, I appreciate you having me and fun chatting with you too. Take care, everyone. Today, Friday, July 10th, 2020, amazing guest, the one and only Jeff Toyster. Tune in next week. We'll have some sensational guests, lots to come. Keep following us on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on all social media. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And again, thank you, Jeff Toyster. This has been another episode of Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Follow Neil and Paul on Twitter at Neil Toff and at PaulCat72. Podcast feedback and topic suggestions are always welcome. Thank you for listening.